You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, have you ever wondered how I generate thousands of inbound leads per year using LinkedIn? Well, this episode is sponsored by my guide, The Ultimate Guide to Generating Inbound Leads with LinkedIn. This is the definitive guide on how to consistently generate inbound leads using LinkedIn and social selling. So if you want a copy of that guide, just send a text to 44222 with the word L-I guide, all one word, L-I guide to 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Bill Durant. He's founded and is currently leading the fastest growing full service media agency in the world and an ad age small agency of the year. Xveris Media, Bill and Xveris empower growth stage culture creating brands through data, creativity, and insight driven media planning. In short, he gets to develop creative media ideas and grow brands that he believes in. That was a mouthful. Here you are, Bill. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I thought you did an excellent job on the intro there. Perfect. Thank you. Well, listen, we're going to unpack all this, but what's really cool is you're also the author of a new book, right? I mean, this has got to be like giving birth to a baby when you write it, when you release a book. I know that a lot of people have kind of described it as that difficult, painful, and also rewarding. The book is called Digital Stone Age how the world's most successful advertisers use traditional thinking and the innovation to drive growth. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration for that book. Yeah, well, it is a bit like giving birth. And you know, I think one of the challenges that we face in our field, this kind of broader field of marketing and advertising, is that it feels like things are changing so rapidly, and they are. And so as you're writing a book where the information, the research, the science, everything incorporated is constantly evolving and being updated. You know, I think it not only justified why the book exists, but it also made things particularly challenging, especially with with COVID last year. And so for us, you know, writing this book really became about how are we putting on paper what helps brands grow in the modern era of marketing. Let's cut through the hype and all the noise that we're hearing and actually answer the question definitively and then share with brand marketers how they can do that for themselves. Yeah, I like that. And that's part of that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about kind of this natural phenomenon where digital says that digital is always right and it's the place to be and traditional like TV says they're the place to be, but the science says maybe two different things and maybe they're both right and maybe they're also both wrong on certain premises. So we're going to kind of unpack that today. We're going to talk about what's really working right? What's really working to drive growth? And so that's what we're going to, you're going to help us unpack. So quick back, John, into your entrepreneurial journey. How long have you been? When did you found your first business? Yeah. So we started about nine years ago. It was just me alone in an apartment, actually working on the Cliff Bar account. That was kind of the big entrepreneurial launch, pretty special time, although certainly a much leaner time at the very start. Yeah. So what year was that again? 2000? Uh, right. Yeah, right at the end of 2011, beginning 2011, of 2011. 
And that was the same agency that you have today. You've had the same business throughout. Correct. It was just, it wasn't even an entrepreneurial journey at that point. It was solely a a one-man band and a very different type of experience. Tell us a little bit about that business now. I mean, you you have one of the fastest growing agencies. Can you give us a sense of size or scale? I mean, how much is the business doing a revenue range or growth percentage or something? Can you share something like that with us? Sure, absolutely. So we are in the seven figures, we like to call it the mid seven figures of revenue annually for our business. And we work with brands that are all the way into the billions. So we will manage the media planning and buying for brands that are on the smaller side and are kind of just starting their growth journey all the way up to brands that are owned by entities like Walmart or Post or, or Coca-Cola with whom we have a great relationship and everyone in between. So we have this kind of entrepreneurial journey that's happening in sync with the journey that the brands that we represent are taking on and are in very different stages of. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. So when did the book release? It just released in the last month or two, right? Yeah. just released in the beginning of 21 and it's It was immediately due for a refresh because of the changes and everything that happened with COVID. So getting to not only work on the book last year and some of the year prior, but then to kind of revise things and make sure that things were as current as possible for 2021 really became the name of the game. Good. Great. So we're going to take some of the core premises of the book and we're going to unpack them today. Of course, we're not going to be able to do it justice in in a short interview, but I think This will be interesting, give an interesting perspective to the listeners because I think they hear a lot of banter back and forth between, you know, traditional and digital. And so I want you to give us the facts, right? Give us what the science is saying. Give us what your research uncovered and talk to us a little bit. You know, I'm sure that you're going to marry something in between there about some of the things you've been able to do for your clients and and we'll go from there. So why don't you help us unpack that concept? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, as you noted, there is a lot of conversation and sometimes a lot of, we'll call it hype, around what is the most effective way to grow a brand in 2021. And, you know, COVID notwithstanding, folks have been answering that question, I think, very effectively from a more scientific and research-based perspective over the last several years, because the rise of digital, you know, has become the headline of the last 20 years in marketing and advertising. I think back to 2003, when I really started my career in advertising, and there was one person that worked in interactive at my media agency, and that was on Nissan. So you think about now where everybody is dealing in a way with interactive and digital media to help grow brands, it's been a complete reversal. And you know, in that happening, a lot of folks have come out and said, look at how effective digital channels are. And more importantly, We know that these are the future. So therefore, traditional media is the quote unquote stone age. And people that espouse that that kind of traditional media approach are living in the stone age, they're living in the past. And what we found is that that's not true. The research shares that that's not true. The research also shares that folks that say, well, TV or other non, excuse me, traditional channels are the most effective and they remain the most effective and the most important game in town. Well, that's not true either. And there's actually a balancing act that needs to happen for brands. And two researchers named Bennett and Fields, among many other pieces of research on this subject, really most succinctly answered the question and determined that based on a study of over 1,500 different brands, the brands that best balanced 60% of their investment, not necessarily in traditional 
tactics, but in longer term brand building tactics, things that do lend themselves better to traditional channels. And 40% of their investment into shorter term channels, typically digitally based channels. Those were the folks that actually ended up having the best return on their investment, pound for pound, dollar for dollar. Even more interesting is that despite the rise of digital media and the rise of digital and how critical and important that is as a space for brands to play, TV, you know, the one that everybody holds up as kind of this old-fashioned gold standard, has actually become more effective in the digital age. And the reason why is that they work better together. If you're combining traditional and digital tactics, that's where you're going to be the most effective at growing your brand. Okay. So it's interesting. So what you're saying is that study that you just cited there, the brands that are having the biggest results, the most success, they're doing 60% more long-term, which fits more into the traditional channels like TV and billboard and direct mail and things of that nature versus 40% into digital, which might be social media ads or Google ads or whatever it might be on digital. Is that correct? Yeah, I think you know, there's a little bit of nuance because some long-term channels can be digital and some short-term channels can be traditional. But ultimately, when you're looking at it through that lens, that's how you're going to be most successful. Now, that's on average. Not every brand, your mileage may vary. If you're a direct-to-consumer digital brand, you're going to probably want to flip that and then some in favor of shorter-term digital tactics. But that is overall what we learned. And that goes against what you hear from a lot of folks. And so... What's driving that success, you think, is the marriage between the two and that they can complement each other. They don't necessarily, well, they just complement each other, right? They're not, they're not hurting each other. They're only supporting each other, right? If you go on Facebook and you see a brand and then the next thing you know, you're watching your favorite television show and you see that same brand, it only reinforces you know, the, the trust of that brand, assuming that, you know, that that's the message you take away from it. So yeah, I think I, that's what I've seen as the trend, right? I mean, you have a lot of people, you know, perfect example. I mean, just a a really well-known marketer like a Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Who is, you know, who think is one of the guys who's going to quote that TV is dead and you need to convert all your money to all your budgets to digital. And, you know, I don't know if he's just trying to be polarizing or if he truly believes it, obviously as a digital agency. And I think that's really his focal point and is probably somewhat self-serving in that respect. I mean, what's your take on that? I think that is actually one of the best examples to use because I, you know, I would agree that there is a self-serving element to what he shared and, you know, very successful guy with a very successful agency that does fantastic work. But bear in mind that, you know, to some extent, what Gary and other folks are saying is, you know, they're trying to tell you what the media plan of 2028 or 2033 is going to look like. And not what the media plan of 2021 is going to look like, and certainly not what it's looked like for the past several years. You want to be as effective as possible. You have to look objectively to what research and science tells you, and then, of course, validate that through the results with your own brand. That's the only way that you can know that you're truly maximizing your dollars. You know, sound bites and snippets from folks that are evangelizing things that they are very well invested in aren't going to move the needle for your brand. Did the study at all go into the actual strategies, some of the strategies in those different silos, you know, long-term versus short-term, or did it, was it a little bit agnostic of that? It was a little bit agnostic of that, trying to make more generalized headlines to help people understand, you know, what is the framework that I should be looking at implementing for my brand versus trying to answer that a little bit more specifically. But what we have seen is that where folks sometimes the same folks and sometimes other researchers 
have delved more deeply into this topic was, you know, one really interesting thing that we found was that brands that aren't investing major budgets, so we're not talking about, you know, the $10 million plus types of advertisers out there, which is going to be the bulk of brands, brands that have smaller budgets and smaller investment levels, they actually benefit from doing things the same way as larger brands by folding in multiple media or marketing channels, by incorporating the short and long-term look, by running campaigns that stretch over a period of time rather than trying to condense them into a short period because they think they have a limited budget. And so what's really interesting is to see how this applies, not just to brands that everyone might think of as household names, but all the way on down to the smallest advertisers. And probably two, going beyond the idea of reaching consumers, What is a B2B marketer thinking? How can they extrapolate learnings from this? Well, folding in multiple channels, understanding the difference between a channel like PR, which is certainly going to be a longer term build, certainly driving earned media, and then how that can build trust and combine with what you're doing in your individual media plan or media channels is also a really critical element for how you can kind of interpret these results, no matter what situation you find yourself or your brand in. All right, great. So now that we know what the science is saying, what's the next step? Yeah, well, the next step is to say, you know, we may understand what's going to work particularly well in 2021, but, you know, is Gary Vaynerchuk right? Or is somebody who's telling you that digital is the only way forward correct? And I think the answer is with shades of gray, the answer is generally yes. Things are digitizing so rapidly. As we all know, COVID, you know, accelerated e-commerce adoption and other digital adoption by three to five years, just in three months in 2020. That is real. And what we're going to see is the continued digitization of media and marketing channels. And sometimes that's going to manifest itself in new ways. Think about the shift that's happening right now from linear TV to streaming, such a critical trend that's happening in 2020 and now 2021. But also think too about what linear TV, what that process looks like. Buying linear TV, you had to be a big brand. It was a very involved process. You had these old school TV buyers that had old school relationships, and that was the way forward. You know, that's not going to be the way that marketers operate moving forward. We're going to be able to buy things. In fact, we already can buy TV in a way that feels much more like digital, which means it's much easier, simpler, more efficient, for a marketer to participate in channels that might feel traditional on the surface, but are now becoming digitized, at least on the back end. Look at what's happening in out-of-home as another great example of that. So much out-of-home inventory is going digital, which makes it so much easier to buy if you're a brand or to run in. But even then, can we buy those traditional placements that are never going to go away? The ones on Sunset Boulevard right outside of our office here, you know, that is going to democratize the way that media is not only consumed, but the way that media is planned and bought. And that's what's so exciting for marketers. And that's really where we're headed, not just in the future, but in 2021. Yeah, it's interesting because COVID really did change a lot of things about the way we do business and about the way we consume content and about the way we buy products and services. I mean, you know, you you don't have to be a rocket scientist to look at the numbers, right? Look at Amazon, look at Netflix look at Prime, look at all of these different, you know, more digital types of products and services. And obviously the numbers are going in that direction. But I don't think that means you throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, 
you know, I, one of the, there's still challenges that I think TV has, you know, traditional media will point to TV just because that's a glaringly obvious one, which is, you know, the fact that a lot of people are able to record shows and skip through the commercials, right? So we all fast forward, we all, or when a commercial comes on, we're on our phone, we got two screens going, we're on the phone, but we're really not watching the commercial. So there's obviously challenges for traditional, but I think there's, and, and I'm not the guy who's ever done much av- any advertising there in that space, so I can't really speak heavily to it. But you want to take a second there and kind of talk a little bit about that? Because I think that I'm not quite sure we talked about where are they going, but where is TV going? What are they going to do differently to try to compete? What do you see in that realm? Yeah, well, you know, we saw this before it ha- started happening in earnest, which was, which was really over the last six months, which is this complete shift in prioritization from TV networks and entertainment properties from their linear elements into their streaming elements. They recognized they saw the writing on the wall. And then with consumers streaming so much more during COVID and now you know, continued into 2021, they see that shift happening and they have to prioritize their technology and even their programming accordingly. And so that's a really important shift that we're seeing. And what we're also seeing is, you know, it's a pro-action. In the past, it was, you know, not enough consumers are streaming in enough volume. They're still watching a ton of linear TV. So let's just kind of do a wait and see approach. But it's now become a strategic imperative for the big entertainment properties to now establish their streaming entities. And one of the reasons, of course, why is because A, Netflix has already come in and, and scooped up most of the market. And B, consumers, if they're cobbling together different streaming services, there's no convenience or simplicity like there is in combining all the different cable networks that they used to subscribe to. So you're seeing a huge shift in business and first movers are going to have the advantage there. But what's interesting is that, again, it's the digital stone age. You're still seeing consumers spend the majority of their time on the whole in linear inventory, at least up until this year. It was like over 80% of TV-based impressions were still happening in linear TV. And linear TV was still working their number one or number two position for most of the marketing mix analyses that we've seen for individual brands. So there's still something to it, but now it's time to not only prepare for the future, but prepare for the present as consumers adopt new behaviors. Okay. So we've talked about what the science says. We talked about kind of where we're going. What's next? Yeah. So I think, you know, I think ultimately what we're looking for is we're trying to understand how we can be one step ahead and be one step ahead of not where consumers are going to be, but in how we can actually measure and understand success. If you look at the trends of what's happening with privacy, if you look at the trends of what's happening, of course, with traditional media that's evolving, it's going to be a little bit harder, significantly harder for digital marketers to measure the impact of what they're doing. And so if you think about what's next, what's next is solving the problems of 2022 now, not because it's about us you know, trying to get out ahead of what's going to be effective in 2021, but because they are such fundamental challenges that will greatly upset what we've all kind of become accustomed to, at least in the digital space, in terms of measuring success. So we need to know that, of course, the cookie's going away. The measurement that's associated with that is going away. How can we solve for that? And so how can we be aggressive, not just in how we're evolving the way that consumers are consuming content, how we're evolving the way that we're planning and buying media and advertising to reach those consumers, 
but also too, like, how are we evolving the way that we measure success? And that's a huge question that I don't think has been answered satisfactorily enough. And that's where there are other opportunities for us to take advantage of technology and how much less expensive modeling and measurement in general have become to give us an opportunity to measure for the new economy and the new world of privacy. That to me is such a glaring hole that most brand marketers haven't fully addressed yet. And really, I think is going to determine success in 2022 and beyond. Yeah, it's interesting. You bring up the tracking component and the data component and the privacy component, whether that be on Facebook or on Google or any digital platform. There's a lot of, you know, in a lot of ways, they're, I guess, they're, it's kind of getting handcuffed in a lot of ways with, in the name of privacy. And I get it. And I, and I think there's some valid concerns there, but I think it's going to be a major issue. I mean, this is in a lot of ways kind of what traditional media has the same, they've had those challenges forever because how, how can you actually track, you know, there's a lot of tracking issues with, with traditional media. And so I think, you know, we're, they're kind of going backwards. And that, that's where I think that digital stone age concept that you talked about kind of talks about that because we're in some respects from a tracking perspective and from a data perspective, we're going to have to go backwards. I mean, we've had carte blanche for many, many years, you know, doing whether you be on Google or Facebook or wherever you're at, where you had a lot of great data and a lot of access to that. And uh, it's one of the few areas where we're regressing in some ways, and we're going to have to make a serious pivot. And uh, I don't see a clear path. I'm not quite sure. I mean, you're probably closer to it than me. Have you seen any technology or anybody who's becoming or, you know, who's been more innovative in that space from the digital perspective to try to bridge that gap? Yeah, well, you're, you're looking for two things. You're looking for a technological solution that can help solve it, solve what we're losing. And you're also looking for somebody with enough scale or influence that they can actually get it out the door and people will listen. And that's where you're seeing people like the trade desk, for instance, you know, really lead the charge and say, like, we believe that we have found a solution or part of a solution. But ultimately, what we're most concerned about is fragmentation and that there are going to be a number of different measurement solutions and that we as an industry, and we know that the IAB is working very hard on this, but we as an industry may not have that kind of unified, simple, easy to translate way to look at one-to-one transactional data or one-to-one targeting data that we have, of course, as you mentioned, grown very, very accustomed to in this digital age. And so from our standpoint, we're looking at measuring, you know, individual sales for brands that are more on the D2C and, you know, distributed and sold online type of clients that we have. We're also looking at overall sales, especially for brands that are a hybrid of offline and online or are sold entirely offline because they're, you know, refrigerated uh, like a packaged goods brand. And we are seeing, and this is, this is nice, that the increases and in improvements and efficiencies in creating actual marketplace simulations and models. And there's a few companies that do this. We use one called Concentric Market. And they will actually allow you to do this in a much more economical way. But it's still, you know, it's still aggregating a lot of data together. And it's not that clear one-to-one measurement of sales that we're missing. And we know folks are attempting to solve for it. And if you can solve for it, there's the billions of dollars in prize money for the person who can solve this and scale it. And that's where I think folks are nervous is that we're all in this wait and see approach, hoping that we as an industry find that solution at some point in the next, you know, just six months. 
before 2022 uh, really kicks off in earnest. And to this point, we don't have it. So we're going to have to find the next best thing, which is really strong market simulation and modeling, which has always worked best for brands that are sold offline anyways. Yeah. I think that what will end up happening and, you know, because we've seen this time and time again is somebody is going to come up with a solution or multiple people are going to come up with a solution and then Facebook or Google are going to gobble them up and then they're going to be the ones that distribute it on a large scale, right? Because they have, they're the only ones who really have that type of scale to get it to market in any reasonable amount of time for true adoption, right? So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the path, good, bad, or otherwise, you know, of what, how you feel about that or how anybody feels about that. That's how you get scale quickly. So, if you're sitting there uh, in the technology world and you've got these solutions in play, you know, I think, I think you're in a pretty cool spot if you can solve that problem. So awesome. Anything, listen, anything else you want to add about that? We got a couple rapid fire questions and we're going to wrap it up for today. No, I think, you know, the most important thing is that it's less about the individual research studies. It's less about all the specifics uh, that are of course included in the book and elsewhere. It's about understanding and adopting the right mindset of what is objectively going to benefit my brand the most. And then how do I tailor that and implement that for my brand or organization? And if you can come in with that very basic mindset to what you're investing, no matter what takes place or what happens in the marketplace, the adoption of digital, et cetera, you're going to be in fine position to win and to continue to win in successive years. Love it. All right, listen, two rapid fire questions. What's your favorite growth tool or software app, something you use on a regular basis to help you grow your business? Just one, if you could just limit it to one. Yeah, you know, I I actually think like for our clients, for brands, I love concentric market and complex marketplace simulations that have become now democratized. Um, That's really impactful for, for our clients. For us, you know, I think from our standpoint, it's about having access to the best financial reporting. So, you know, there's a couple of tools that we use in that space, but using finance as strategy and not just as accounting and numbers management was the big aha moment for us a couple of years ago. And that's enabled us to continue to grow and to make strategic choices for the business. Okay, great. And what's one book besides yours that you would recommend to the audience, something maybe you've read or you think might help them on their journey? Yeah, I think uh, there's a great book by uh, Rashad Tabakawala who uh, is a former publicist, uh, publicist, head of growth, I believe. It's all about restoring the soul of humanity and how do you combine data and the digitization of the world with actual insights and actual results that are world positive, so to speak. Okay, great. Well, listen, let everybody know how they can get a copy of your book, connect with you, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Excellent. Well, the book is found on most major platforms particularly Amazon, just search Digital Stone Age. If you'd like to get in touch with me, xverus.com is our website. Xverus is E-X-V-E-R-U-S.com. Or of course, I can be found on LinkedIn at Bill Durant, D-U-R-R-A-N-T. Awesome, Bill. Thank you so much for being here. Truly appreciate it. Congrats on the book and all the success. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.